0: Sounds good. I'm Morgan St. James, and this is Writers' Tricks of the Trade. Well, today we're going to do things a little bit different. We're going to have all three co-hosts, myself (coughs) and Denison Griffin, who's a true crime writer, and Eric James Miller, who writes mysteries, and we're just going to have a casual shop talk because, you know, there are lots of questions that come up, and we can have a scripted show, but we thought this would be pretty good to just have a casual talk address some of the things that people are always asking about and Eric you're going to be our moderator so take
1: it away. Okay hi Morgan and Denny. Yeah I I was just thinking that uh, you know some of the universal topics that that sort of every writer has to deal with and and uh, I kind of made a list and I thought maybe we would just kind of go down it from from easy to hard (laughs) as it were (laughs) um let's let's you mean to say there's
0: easy (laughs) i
1: know well actually yeah this first one isn't always easy and because you know there is supposedly that thing called writer's block um but where let's have a brief discussion about where we get our inspiration from and, Morgan, I, I'll start with you. Where where do you generally get your inspiration from?
0: Well, I'll tell you, a lot of mine comes from either things I've experienced or things that are happening at present. Um, I've lived a pretty full life and had all kinds of experiences. So, you know, it, it's funny because they'll each be like, hmm, I wonder if that would make a good book. And so I've done a lot of um, books that are basically fiction that were inspired by things that actually happened. And then, of course, with my Silver Sisters Mysteries, my sister and I coordinate on that one. And again, we grew up in a zany family, so we just kind of modeled the Silver Sisters after that. And what we'll do is get together and brainstorm about ideas that could be a crime for the sisters and their elderly mother and uncle to solve, and pretty soon the thing just basically starts writing itself. How about you, Denny? Right.
2: I'm kind of with you. I, I rely uh, on life experiences that I've had, and also a lot of... Uh, Things that I read about things that are in the news, and sometimes I can end up with a with a fiction plot based on real events or real people uh and it's a it's a chance too and for example if if there's something that's in the news that I've been following um I can have a chance maybe to give it. Uh, when I fictionalize it, to have it have a little different outcome. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe the thing didn't end up the way I wanted it in real life, but I can modify that and maybe have it come out the way I would like to see it. Yeah, so, a little uh, creative
0: license there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Absolutely. All about. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, before we move on to Eric, I wanted to add this, too. Denny and I have both also worked on writing other people's memoirs. And, of course, the inspiration there is their story. And um, we've both done this solo. We've done it together. Um, Denny and I have written a couple of people's memoirs together. And that's kind of a a different situation because it depends on how prolific that person is, whether they're going to give you tons and tons of information and you don't even have to worry about inspiration. What you have to worry about is getting... Some of the information called out, so you know what'll make a book, and also um, getting it organized in a logical uh, process, you know, so that the reader doesn't get confused, and then of course the editing. But then on the other side, you have the person that getting information is like pulling hens' teeth. And you have to keep coming up with prompts, and that's where the inspirational thing comes in. You know, what are you going to prompt them to talk about? And hopefully they'll be off and running once you find the right ones.
1: Yeah. I think there is, I mean, just for the writers out there, I think there is a a, a difference between sort of those research-driven projects, I think, like that you were talking about um, there, Morgan, versus sort of the purely creative, you're your Silver Sisters series, or, or Denny, I think what you said about the news is really great. I I know personally sometimes I'll hear a story on on the news, and I'll actually mute the TV after it's over before they move on to the next thing and just kind of mull it over in my mind. Do you, do you guys ever do anything like that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think it gives us a, a, a chance to – you know when we've heard something that strikes us to to let it soak in and and we're in such a machine gun sort of media environment now that that we get one story after another thrown at us when when we're watching the boob tube and and sometimes there's not enough time to let it sink in and <laughs> and when you when you give yourself that time to sink in you know it's like it's I think that was a great great example there denny you know you you get to sort of change uh the, the outcome you know i mean it could be anything from okay what if you know i don't want to get political or anything but if if global warming you know really does raise the 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 sea level 30 feet 40 feet you know what's the economy in florida going to be like in 20 years (laughs) you You know know what It's a good thing i moved out of malibu i was living right on the beach
0: my god i would have been in a swimming pool the pacific (laughs) ocean
1: for sure i mean the uh that's one third the surface area of the planet um that's yeah my, my poor little venice beach apartment um is probably going to be 20 feet underwater but, well, you um, know what?
0: I lived in Marina del Rey also, five blocks right. from the beach, and that one might have been hit as well. Yeah. You were in a tower, though, weren't you? No, well, I was at one time, but I was also yeah. in townhouses on Via Dolce.
1: Because that would be cool. I, I had a story like that years and years ago where, like, an apartment building has been inundated, you know, with water, and, and so the the egress in and out is by boat and so they had to convert, you know, like the third floor into <laughs> sort of the, you know, people would row in and out of the building because the building was still standing, it was still livable as a tower, but but it was just the ground floors were underwater.
0: Kind of Well, fun you stuff know what, what's about. interesting with that, Eric, is I don't know if you're familiar with Pioneer Square in Seattle, but many yes. years ago Pioneer Square used to get flooded. Where where Pioneer Square is, Um, the buildings would get flooded, and then there was a fire that destroyed certain things. I mean, it was all kinds of stuff going on. But then what they did is they decided that they had to raise the boardwalks. At that time, they had that instead of um, sidewalks. They raised them, and that's what created the real underground city in uh, Seattle in Pioneer Square because they raised them to the level of the second floor, and um, it's interesting because some of the big buildings have doorways that look like they're not in proportion to the size of the building, and that's because they raised it to midway. So, uh, <laughs> you know, there's yeah. there's a real-life situation that was strange like that. I just want to mention one other thing. You know, Denny, you talked about changing the story. Um, my book, Betrayed, it's based on what really did happen to a young ballerina who was kidnapped and sold into a brothel and so forth. And the whole first half of the book is based on everything that really did happen to her. But then by the time we get to the second book, the second side, I thought, well, you know, we could put a little pizzazz in here that would take it even into a different story. And I turned the second half into a murder mystery where she gets her revenge. But that didn't really happen.
1: Right. Yeah, I think I think I mean personally um I always I get a lot of inspiration from the places where I go and 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 the people that I meet. And then and if I didn't meet them there, I think back on my life like you guys mentioned and I put them where I want to put them. You know, I'll take somebody that I that I knew in Europe and put them you know, in that flooded apartment building that is now uh, a, a condo and and see what their reaction is. Or, you know, somebody from New York City, which would probably adapt to it much easier than, like, one of my friends from Colorado who isn't used to living around the ocean. So inspiration, I think, can come from, from a lot of real-life personal experience, like you guys um, iterated, but then also just the news and letting your mind soak something in that you find interesting and then just sit back and and give give yourself space to uh my dog is freaking out um give yourself yeah. space <laughs> to, um, to, to you're thinking of, of a, on
0: you're it. thinking of a book about three co-hosts on a radio talk show <laughs> you're trying to see where that can go right Eric
1: I don't know. No, I, my dog is looking for some maybe she hears something or maybe she has She's an idea for a something.
0: Hey, she how is. about dog as a co-host?
1: Ex- Ooh, that's a good idea. Like,
0: you know there what's is a show called Dog with a blog.
1: <laughs> dog with a blog that runs.
0: Yeah, it's that's a TV right. show.
1: Yeah. Today in the backyard <laughs> I buried a bone. <laughs> I buried a bone. <laughs>
3: That's sorry, okay, well, We're going to have fun um, with
1: this broadcast, guys Yeah, Yeah. I think that's a good idea Okay, well now Something that uh, I think All writing teachers and everything um, Get to that perennial Question that, that you hear a lot of writers Say um, When you go to workshops Do you schedule time To write every day As a professional writer And let's start with you this time Denny
3: Yes, the answer
2: every day? is, I, well, what I do is I consider anything that's writing-related. I try to do something that's writing-related every day that could be actual writing, or I could be working, I might take a, a day or a good part of a day to spend it on promotion, or I might uh, be doing a lot of research. Uh, but I try to do something that's writing-related uh, each and every day, for at least an hour or so, you know. So some days a lot more, but I try to do something
1: uh,
2: in one of those areas uh, virtually every day.
1: Right. So you don't and you don't set I, a daily word count or anything like that, then?
2: No, I don't. I, I tried that initially. It just didn't work for me. I tried to set a a, a certain word count or or uh, so many chapters per day or that type of thing. <clears throat> and it, I found out, especially when I got into the uh, true crime stuff, it took so much more research right. that I, you know, you you couldn't just uh, get there and bang out a lot of words. You had to verify and research and make sure your facts. So that um, that's when I kind of switched from a, a specific word count or chapter goal and got into uh, devoting a certain amount of time to one, at least one area of
1: the writing business. Right. What What about you, Morgan?
2: Well,
0: you know, kind of like Denny in, in some ways, and in fact, when I give workshops, one of the things I always tell writers is that a lot of um, articles and books advocate having a certain word count per day, having a certain amount of hours you work per day, I am strictly against that, because writing is a creative process, and there are going to be days when you're just dry. I mean, you can come up with some stuff, but it's not going to be one where you're burning up the keys. And then there's other days where you're going to go like a bat out of hell. I mean, you just start, and the things keep flowing, and you keep writing. So wouldn't it be a shame? Let's say you were a person who set yourself either – two hours a day or a thousand words a day and you're zipping along and you go oh my god i did my thousand words well i better stop right now well who says that you're going to have that same inspiration the next day who says that you're going to be able to duplicate what you were doing when you were going along like a speeding train and then on the other side of the coin is you know if you're supposed to be writing again a certain amount of words or a certain amount of hours and you just can't come up with what you need it doesn't matter how hard you try so you're banging out crap because it's not coming you're better off to get up walk around change the scene stop for the day if you can't get it going and the next day you'll probably be in much better shape Um, I know that sometimes I'll get on a writing jag and I'll write for say, four or five hours straight and maybe bang out 5,000 words, you know, and there'll be other days when I start and, and it just doesn't work, so I get up and do something else, or I start working on my e-zine that I publish, or I start working on material for workshops, but yes, it is all uh, writing-related.
1: Yeah, I kind of, I, I, I'm i probably about 50-50 with you in that boat, I I think there is a, a, a real value to, to setting a, a word count um, every day, um, you know, and everything is, is personal and subjective. They're, you're absolutely right. There is no, you know, necessarily right or wrong way to do it, um, you know, from a lot of workshops and stuff. You have to do this and da 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 and That's not always the case. But, but having that discipline and, and, and getting those words on the page, I find – um, gives me something to work with down the road, whereas if i'm waiting for inspiration to hit, I can get distracted by an email or a phone call or a news a news item or and and i just and then I end up not getting my word count and especially when you're working on a project that you're trying to hit a deadline, I think those i think it's important to schedule time to write every day and I know a lot of writers that do and I kind of envy their productivity because <laughs> you know at the end of the year if you write 1000 words a day for 90 days you've got a 90,000 word rough draft, you know. And Right, but what do you months. do,
0: Eric, if uh, let's take that scenario? And uh, because like you said, different people need different motivations. Um I'm deadline oriented. My god, if I've got yeah. a deadline, if it means I work 12 hours, I'm going to work 12 hours, but I'm going to hit right. that deadline. But what do you do if you let's say you have your 1000
1: word limit and you hit about 300 well, it's not a limit, and, and your, your mind really, really, really is really dry with you there. It's not a 1000 word. You don't stop after a 1000 words. I mean, your goal is 1000 words and if you're on a tear you keep on going. I don't think any any writing coach. No, would I'm ever talking say, about the Stop. the
0: opposite of that. If you can't oh, hit okay. your thousand words, if you, because oh, you said it gives right. you a good thing to work into, but oh, now right, you've right. gotten to three hundred words, and no matter how hard you try, everything you put on well, the paper looks like sure. hell.
1: Right. Well, that's what I mean. Then it's kind of fifty fifty, and 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 I think sometimes then that balances out, i in, in uh, that that thousand word a day uh example you know i think there'll probably be some days where where people could easily you know like you say when you're on a terrier fifteen hundred two thousand words and then that you know maybe two or three days later yeah you're down around 300 i think the important question in in as a writer or, or or an aspiring writer is do you schedule time to write every day? And there's no right or wrong answer, but that yes or no answer sort of creates a decision tree. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, well that I think is very valid. I mean yeah. if you're if you want to be a professional writer, it doesn't matter what kind of writing you do. I I also believe you should be doing some sort of writing every day. And you right. know, I, I was just thinking from what you were saying. What about and this is something I've never tried because I don't work into word I I work into word counts for my project but I don't work into word counts for how much I'll write per day. But what if you were to take and set yourself a weekly goal so that you had the yeah. good days and the bad days and sure. within seven days you wanted to average out to what your target was. Right. That might yeah. be a good way to do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think whatever is, is, is comfort comfortable and we're gonna be talking about managing or juggling writing in a full time job and, and juggling writing in a family um in in a in a little bit and I think that comes into play to that, like on your weekly goals, you don't know, you know, not every Tuesday is a great day to write.
3: But right. um
1: let's let's uh before we before we talk about that because i think that is such a key element of the writer's life that how do you juggle writing in a full-time job and how do you juggle writing and family but before we get to that how do you decide each of you when something is finished like how, how do you do you reach a point that you're like oh this is finished let's let's talk about that process and and anyway, we haven't heard from you in a little bit. So, how do you how do you decide when something is finished?
2: It's I. What I do is just whatever story I'm telling. First of all, I I try to have a pretty good idea before I even start it. You know where I want to end or what what I want to cover, what I want to convey, and that helps me know when i reach the end when i when i've got an outline and i know what i want to get into the book and uh what message i want if there's a message involved what i want to send or what i want to inform people about and once i've completed all those items uh you know i i figure i've done what i set out to do and that that's kind of where i'll stop it um on the other hand, as you're going along, you can, of course, always add stuff. You, the Things come up and you start saying, oh, geez, I hadn't thought about that. I better get that in there as well. So it's an ongoing process, but I have my list and I have my goals as, as far as what's going to be in the book. And when I reach them and I've got everything covered that I wanted to cover, uh, now where there's an issue there, and then I'd like to delve back into this for a, a few minutes because Morgan had mentioned memoirs, especially writing someone else's. Yeah, you know, memoirs. we might
0: want to take one little break, Denny. I see we have a caller. Um do you want to see what our caller has to say, Eric?
1: Oh, okay. Um should we just let them jump on? Or do you want yeah, me to talk to them first?
0: Well let's find out what they have to say.
3: Okay. Hello, calling you Hey,
1: you thank you for
3: taking my call. Yeah, I got a question. Um I I've, I've been compiling um some short stories. I'm 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 really new to writing and I just wanted to ask a question if I could. Sure, go ahead. Um my question is um I've I, I've, like I said, I've been compiling um, some short stories of my own, kind of memoirish, uh, you know. And I wanted to know, um, is in my writing, is it okay to name people's names in writing, or should I, like, I'm just picking, you know, if, if, if somebody was John the Fireman. Is it okay to use their names, or should I just refer to them as a fireman? Um, well, are you
0: asking if you should use their real name or is this fiction yes.
3: No it's it's real should i use their real names or should i just refer no. to them No okay
1: Yeah um, generally,
3: generally not I
1: mean it's a bad you know you set yourself up for libel suits and even though it's a fiction if you're if the if the person that you're describing can prove that you had access and knew about their life prior to writing the book and you identified them in the book, it's, you you can say if they don't like what you wrote, you, they could tie you up in court um, for a long time. <laughs> right yeah, well, you know, that's because that's he, kind
0: of a key there, too, Eric, is what the story is about and what the content is. And if there's somebody you know, I've done both. Um and the thing is, if it's something that's complimentary, if it's something that is funny, things like that, and you know the person, and you call right. them and get their, their permission to use their name, quite often people are flattered with that. Right. But by the same token, what Eric says is if it's something that even raises one iota of question, you're opening yourself wide open. So you need to be okay. careful about that.
3: Okay. These are true things that. These are true things that happened. These are true things that happened, but I'm not sure if I should really refer to them. You know what I'm saying? Like if, and right. I'm just making this up, but like if John was a fireman, should I just refer to him as? How how should I refer to him in the story?
0: Well, maybe give him a fictitious name.
3: Yeah. Or okay. I
1: mean, if you really are writing memoir and you want to, and you want to yes. talk about them. There are um, pretty simple release forms that you can that you can Google, art, artist release forms, and get them to sign something in advance that you can use okay. their name. Yeah, that's a good idea. And, Where are you and, located?
3: In Florida.
1: Oh,
0: okay. Uh, so you're not going to be – because we're having – there is a great memoir conference um, – in Los Angeles, from the twenty third to, uh, to the twenty fifth, but you'd have to take a long step to get there.
3: <laughs> yeah. well, see how this all started out is, um, I, 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 my wife, you know, I've had one of these really whacked, wacky lives, you know, and it just started <laughs> out as to I was. the club. Just, <laughs> <laughs> it started out as just, you know, I was, I was just jotting down on a piece of paper, um. You know, it, I'm not a real good, my handwriting is awful. And so I, I, I picked up one of my son's laptops, and I just started typing one day. And then it kind of grew and grew, and then I said, well, you know, let me let me do this a little bit better. And, you know, it just kind of evolved is what it did. And then before I knew it, I'm like at 60,000 words, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, and it, <laughs> it just kind of released you know and it's you know that's good and then when i gave it to my wife to read she just kind of looked at me and said oh my gosh you should have stayed in school you know but my heart's in it you know what i mean the the grammar stinks you know Uh,
2: can i can i give an opinion for a
1: second yeah go ahead Danny.
2: sure yeah what um there's a few things that i do for example um it depends to a great degree, and I think uh, Eric and Morgan have both touched on this, about what you're going to say about the person. If you're going to get into uh, something that's derogatory or could be taken as derogatory, uh, then you you got you to face the reality that uh, this person may not like it. They may attempt some type of legal action or, you know, get into uh, arguments and online controversies and all that kind of thing. So if it's going to be anything negative, my personal policy is I don't use the name. I will say, like you said, a firefighter. I I would just let it go at that. Uh, But if you're going to say the firefighter, there was a guy named John, and he came to my child's school on Parents' Day or whatever, and he gave a great presentation. About what to do if uh, you smell smoke in the middle of the night. About staying low. Don't you know? Don't open the doors until you feel them. See if, and he gave us some really life-saving uh, information. I wouldn't see much wrong with putting that in. Right. Uh, okay. You know, it, it, it it's a fact. It happened, and you're there's certainly nothing derogatory there. You're you're praising this individual for his conduct and the information he he gave you, and. Um, Eric mentioned getting a release. If it's somebody you know and you have access to them or how to get a hold of them, you can ask them. You can also uh, you know, send a release, uh, email them a release for them to sign and send back to you. What I've done uh, on several occasions is if I've told someone I'm going to use, uh, mention them in the book, would like to mention them in the book, and what specifically we're going to talk about in the book, I will then, all this by email, send them the chapter or the section when I complete it, and ask them to review it and let me know if there's any changes that need to be made. And basically, they, I, I will make any corrections or modifications or edits they want, and then send it to them for a final sign. And basically, it's a sign off, and I got I keep an email file.
1: Yeah, then you have the consent. I, okay. Yeah, that's well, a good policy.
2: Exactly. So there are okay. different things you can do to uh you know, to accomplish the goal of of using their name when it's a good thing and and if it's not you can use the fictitious name or just don't use the name at all.
0: Yeah, for, you know okay. this is, this is actually a good topic to expand on. So thank you very much for calling in because you opened yeah, up you a, a neat discussion, call. and there's something else, um, as I mentioned, Denny and I have written books together, and another thing we discovered, <clears throat> and this goes into if it's a something that might cast an unfavorable light on a particular person or something like that, you can change all kinds of details and keep your concept because – you can change where it happened, you can change where they live, you can change all kinds of things, which is one of the things that we did in writing a particular book, because we didn't want it identifiable, and it it actually was, say, like maybe 70%, 60% true, but we figured it was better to turn it into pure fiction by taking it to a different location, Having different homes, different professions, but the story itself was basically the same.
3: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. All right. Okay, thank well, you very much.
0: Yeah. Well, I well, hope this has you. helped you. I hope it hasn't confused
3: you. you. No, it hasn't. <laughs> no, I think <laughs> it's clear. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for your call. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Bye.
1: Okay so um yeah that's a great uh i I think towards the end of my, I had a list of questions, and I was going to get into some of the legal um and and sort of accounting side of of having a writer writing career and um I think that's a that that might be something that we we might, might want to do a whole show around because... I think you know, so. That sounds good. How do you transfer a copyright in a trust? What's a Schedule C on your tax return? What kind of expenses should you be taken care of? What kind of release forms do you do you need to to have or should you have? Or documentation trail like you laid out, Denny, that's a really good one, where you've sort of gotten their consent back and forth by exchanging the draft. And and keeping all that because it's just like running a business, and we I bet we could have a whole show just talking about
0: oh yeah the definitely of I think that <laughs> I think that's a great idea Eric
1: yeah okay well let's, so we'll table let's, that
0: one for today
1: um, yeah let's put pin in that. let's let's
0: and... plan on having a full show on that
2: okay okay and I, yeah I think can I resume my memoir.
0: You can. You can, Danny. <laughs> I'm sorry to have okay. interrupted you, but I saw <laughs> no, that call it, waiting there and I didn't want the gentleman to have to wait too long.
2: No, and it was a great call because it's like we all agreed it's a, it was an excellent question, an excellent topic uh to right. discuss. Good um what what uh back to the memoir thing is I'm writing a memoir now. In fact Morgan is uh doing some proofing and editing for us. And, and we're doing turnabouts, the
0: same thing. Turn- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'm writing bit- one, and Denny's doing it for me.
2: <laughs> it's a little unique, and 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 the one I'm doing because it's a the for a guy that I went to school with and I hadn't seen in 50 years and so forth. So for for some of the book, we're discussing our hometown, my hometown, and. Um, some incidents that I was involved in that he was also involved in, like some, some uh, little uh, problems at school and so forth. So it, it, you know, it was really interesting for me just because I was, I knew everything that was, he was talking about and I had been involved in, in some of it. But <clears throat> the other thing, I, I think Morgan, in fact, as she mentioned the conference, she's going to be giving a workshop at, uh, in the next week or so. And, one of the things I've learned is that when you're working with someone and they're telling you their story to them, it virtually everything that's ever happened in their life is important through their eyes. You know, it was funny. It was uh, dramatic. It was whatever. Um, But to a reader, a lot of that is not going to matter. They're, they don't know the people you're talking about, and so on and so forth. And they're they're not going to perhaps appreciate the uh, the events you're you're relating uh, like family or friends of the subject would. And you, you have to, I think, be able to talk to the uh, to the person in such a way you can explain to them. That they can't have every detail of every minute of their life in the book. It's right. it's not going to work. And what and not not to be offended when you don't use it. You know they send it to you and and you decide not to use a uh, a particular incident or a series of, of uh, incidents. And to explain to them why you're not doing it without hurting their feelings. Uh, you know, like you're not just poo-pooing it because. You you got to make them understand it's important to them, but it might not be important to the reader. And I think uh, that conference Morgan is going to be uh, be at and giving the workshop is going to address some of that. Uh, both sides yeah, of we the coin. We
0: might mention that it's the memories are made of this um, genre la, and you can find it online, and it's from the. 23rd to the 25th at Los Angeles Valley College in Van Nuys. So there's the little plug on that. Go back, Denny.
2: Okay. (laughs) Well, that's just the point I wanted to make more. Now, I I think you agree with me, at least partially anyway, that 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 can be a problem uh, of trying to control and and organize it in such a way that's going to make it a good marketable product. Without offending the person you're working with.
0: Yeah, definitely. In fact, as we you were talking, I've been working on the PowerPoint for the workshop of when you're approached to write somebody else's memoir, and I just brought up the one slide. It's funny that you had mentioned that because I I wanted to bring this in. One of the slides says, "Is there really a story?" And right. just I'm gonna. It's very brief, so I'll read it. It says. Many people think they have a story when they really don't. Others are pure gold, and then there's everything in between. And why does this matter to the writer who's helping them write their memoir? Well, for one thing, you need to know what your arrangement is, ghostwriter or royalty split, because you also need to figure out how much work it will involve for you, and will it be worth your time and possible frustration and that's when you have to decide if you should get involved in helping write that story. There was, you know, there are some times when the person thinks they have a story and then it doesn't turn out to be what they represented to you. So you need to have this understanding before you really start writing.
1: Right.
2: And yeah, I mean, in a lot I... of cases, I was just going to say, Eric, that in a lot of cases the the subject – isn't familiar with the liable aspect and all that kind of thing. So they will start giving you all kinds of stuff, you know, and naming names and this and that and making allegations. Because uh, not everything you hear is complimentary. They have some people they don't like or feel that they were wrong to buy and so forth. And, um, you know, you got to also convince them of that, that there are legal issues to consider. Uh Right. Yeah, and just
0: one last important thing on that. It seems like each each comment spawns another comment. But as you said, that Denny, um, one of the things, and this is something that we insisted on in, uh, when Denny and I wrote La Bella Mafia together, which is a, a memoir of a, a woman who had an amazing life. Um, you have to have backup for the claims that are being made before you will put them in a book, and this is either for yourself or if you're writing somebody else's story, regardless of whose story it is. If you say, you know, John was embezzling from XYZ Corporation, you damn well better have something that backs that up or you're leaving yourself wide open.
1: Yeah, that's right. Well, that goes back to the, re- the release and, and documenting and and just the legal aspect of, yeah, if you're writing true crime or memoir versus versus fiction, I guess we really... Well, there's a lot of crossover on it. There is, There are some distinctions between the two genres, but... Um,
0: yeah, well, I I'll, I'll last... tell you, Denny and I have a whole box full of backup mm. information on uh, La Bella Mafia because there were things being said that could come back and really bite you. So, you yeah. know, if it was going to stay in the book, a release wouldn't have taken care of it because that would have been our person saying, well, this is what I think happened. Right. But you're still pointing the Uh, finger at somebody else.
1: Right. A friend of mine who writes um, in that world, she records everything. So every time she she sits down with the person that's telling their life story, um, she records all of their conversations. And even if they are um, discussing what she has written, she records that, too, so that there there is sort of that, that paper trail. Um, yeah, well,
0: you know, that's where that great reference that Denny gave me comes in handy, a website called freeconferencecall.com and you can have a conference call either two people, three people, four people, whatever it is, and the entire conversation is recorded and the person who initiated the call can get the um call back on it and it doesn't cost anything and you have an automatic recording of the call.
1: Oh, that's good. callback.com.
0: It's yeah, callback free freeconferencecall.com. Free, no.
1: well,
0: that's a good resource. It certainly um, is. I- oh, go ahead. Yeah, so it's it's actually easier than um, you know trying to work a tape recorder.
1: Right. Well, sometimes when you're talking to people in back rooms or in their living room or something like that, you know, it's you got to get them in a in a place where they're comfortable to talk, and that might not always be in front of a computer.
0: Oh, they don't have to, to. They call in on their telephone.
1: Oh, right.
0: Um, So it's really a good resource.
1: uh, There was was something, yeah, that's a great resource. We should probably put together a, well, we should add it to the maybe the uh, writer's tricks of the trade, the next easing that comes out. Right, Um, right.
0: And, you know, we should mention, since we had such a nice conversation with the gentleman from Florida, that starting next month, We will be scheduling interviews with authors and we have a whole list of people that we need to contact who have come to us through uh, cold coffee press and I think that will be really interesting. Um, We'll begin to have guests on our shows that will interview authors and also we're looking at doing some special shows where they are a half hour dedicated to Interviewing a particular author if they have some really interesting things that they'd like to talk about.
1: Right. Yeah. Boy, this is an ad lib
0: show, isn't it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah, we've we've kind of gotten off track. I think I don't, and I don't well, think we really have know, enough time you know? to uh, talk about the juggling work and family. We only have about three minutes left. I think. Right. Um. There was something I was going to say about that. Uh, Oh, when when deciding when something was finished. I guess I was. Oh,
0: right. That's what we were talking about. Yeah,
1: that's what we were talking about. Was um, when. Well, you know, I I can add that one of the things.
0: I was just going to say one of the things I do, which comes from the days when I was an interior designer, you know, sometimes. Things that work in one profession work in another profession. And when I was an interior designer and I was doing model homes and the developers would give us a budget, I was one of the few designers that would hit my budget within a couple of dollars. And the reason was because I would back into the budget. I would take my full budget and, you know, divide it into rooms and see how much I could spend in each one. And I rarely went over the budget that the... Developer gave me. So when I started writing, you know, there are set word counts that are the right ones or the typical ones for certain genres. And let's say my typical word count is 70,000, which seems to hit a lot of the different books that we work on. Um, I am constantly keeping track of my word counts and I am constantly seeing how much we have left to work with and how much of the story still has to be told so that I can divide things into the segments and into the word counts that will fit for those to make me hit my target. And once again, I'm usually maybe a thousand words off, but it really helps me gauge how my story is moving along in order to fit into that word count. And let's say I I set a target of 70,000 and I'm not done until 71,000, if I don't cut some words in the next read-through, then it's 71,000 and the book is finished. But I'm practically at what my goal was.
1: Hello? Yeah. <laughs> oh.
0: Did I put you to sleep with that? <laughs>
1: no. But uh, anyway, um, so... Yeah, you know well, we Denny knows when I write left. with
0: him. Every time we're trading chapters back and forth and I'll say, and we're at the so and so word count post.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So we've got about forty seconds left now. Um so uh thanks for everyone for joining us. Um this I think this was an interesting format. Um probably have some other questions that we could gather around um gather up but uh for i guess to sign off my name is eric miller i write the Four rent mystery series and you can find out more about me at venice com. everybody else
0: okay morgan st james and I mostly write funny mysteries, but I also write some dramatic memoirs and fiction. And you can find out just about everything you want to know about me at www.morgan. Oh my God, I forgot my website. <laughs> Morgan dash <laughs> Saint. <laughs> ja- no, Morgan Saint James dash author at. Good Lord, I've messed up my website. You see, I've been working on redoing one of my websites, and I'm just off to lunch here. wwwmorganstjames authorcom Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> and I'm Danny Griffin, biz B-I-Z.
0: Yeah, and B-I-Z. you know, there's one more thing is if you have questions you can visit our website, which is writerstricksofthetraderadio.blogspot.com, and there is a place where you can comment and just go ahead and do that.
1: That's right. Cool. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll see everybody in two weeks then, I guess, right?
0: Right. And we'll be announcing what our next topic is on Facebook and on Twitter.
1: Fantastic. Good night, okay, everybody. Okay, well then, good night, everybody. Good night, all. Good night.